Welcome back to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is session 69. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. And in this session, we'll be continuing on in our study of the book of Acts. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 3, 4, and hopefully 5. So unless you're driving, turn to Acts chapter 3. So we see at the beginning of chapter 3, it says, Peter and John were going up to the temple area for the 3 o'clock hour of prayer. So why would they be going to the temple if they've decided that they're going to follow Jesus? Well, the initial idea was to bring the message of Jesus to all of the Jews. And Peter and the apostles were still Jews. And so... Ultimately, they were kicked out of the temple, if you will, for their beliefs and their preaching and all that. But they would have preferred, I think, to uh, stay preaching in the temple. So I want to be clear, they didn't renounce Judaism so much as Judaism renounced them. In fact, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Jewish uh, prophecies, etc., so, we see that a, a man crippled from birth was carried and placed at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate every day to beg for alms from the people who entered the temple. So, they're asking for money, right? And so, they asked Peter for something, a little something. And in verse 6, Peter looked intently on him and in verse 5. And then in verse 6, Peter said, I have neither silver nor gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, and I'd like you to underline, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, rise and walk. So Peter is not doing this of his own power. He is calling on the name of Christ to do the healing that we're about to see here. Uh, Peter is the first pope. Uh, and our priests, who are delegated by the bishops, who are delegated by the, the Pope, um, is acting in persona Christi here. He's, he, he recognized that healing does not come from himself, but rather from Christ, as does all healing, as does all good, as do all good things, right? So it's important that we recognize that. Uh, the church is powerful because Christ has given the church, the one church that Christ started, the power to, to do things. So in the interest of time, we see that uh, Jesus healed the man. He's jumping around. He's thrilled and all that. And uh, the man's clinging to Peter in verse and John in verse 11. And all the people hurried in amazement to, toward him in the portico called Solomon's Portico. Underline Solomon's Portico. Why am I having you underline it? Because even the Gentiles were welcome here. So what is this telling us? That's God's message of healing and salvation is for all. You don't have to be an ethnic uh, Jew to uh, get in on this. Um, it's, it's for all who will follow Jesus. Uh, in the name of Jesus. So Jesus, or, so Peter gives a long speech to the people, many of whom, of course, are Israelites. And in the interest of time, we won't uh, read all of that. 
Um, but what is significant is what he tells them, and this is not a new message, but certainly worth repeating, in verse 19, and I want you to underline this, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be wiped away. So uh, it's, he, he distinguishes between repenting and converting. Repenting is saying, okay, Lord, I'm sorry I'm committing these sins. I'm, I'm really sorry I'm going to try to turn away from these sins, okay, and follow you. So that's repentance. But conversion, which is also mentioned, repent therefore and be converted, doesn't, repent means turning away from sin. Converting means turning to Christ, saying, okay, I'm going to live for you. And if you convert, then these sins that you're committing will be more dist distasteful to you. doesn't mean you won't sin ever anymore. It means that uh, you, uh, once you convert and you, and you truly say, Lord, I want to live my life for you, those sins will be less attractive and uh, hopefully you will, uh, well, you, you will Im improve. Okay. So there is that distinction. Because remember, if you just repent, okay, and you say, I will not sin, I will not sin, I will not sin. What are you thinking about? Sin. There's a void in your life now that used to be filled with, with a sin or a, a number of sins. And there's still going to be a void unless you fill that void with something. And so that to avoid slipping back in there, uh, you have to convert, uh, convert your mind, if you will, to into a relationship with Christ where you want to live for him. So uh, anyway, repent and be converted that your sins may be wiped away. Okay, great. We get our sins wiped away. Verse 20, and that the Lord may grant you times of refreshment. So circle the word refreshment. Isn't it great to know that you've got all of those awful things off of your plate and now you have filled your plate with something refreshing that is a relationship with Christ who is the one person who will always be there for you and never let you down. And uh, Peter continues on in his education of the people. And in verse 22, he says, For Moses says, A prophet like me will the Lord your God raise up for you from among your own kinsmen. Uh, to him you shall listen in all that he may say to you. Uh, everyone who does not listen to that prophet will be cut off from the people. That is a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. So in your margins next to verse 22, you may want to write that. Um, so uh, enough said about chapter 3. On to chapter 4. Well, needless to say, there's a bunch of people who are uh, being converted, they're excited about this uh, this message. They're probably mostly excited because they saw Peter, through Christ, uh, heal a crippled man, right? So that's pretty exciting. And so, of course, the Sadducees, you know, the religious priestly society, they're upset. And, and uh, so in chapter 4, verse 3, 
these uh, priestly type folks laid hands on uh, on the on Peter and John and laid hands on them and put them in custody. But many of those who heard the word came to believe, and the number of men grew to about five thousand. So when Peter, uh, just before this, preached the first time, he had three thousand converts. Now he's done this miracle. Uh, through Jesus, of course, and now there's 5,000 converts. So the people are all upset, um, and they, they're questioning Peter. In verse 8, it says that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, circle filled with the Holy Spirit, once again, this really could, a better title for this book is uh, The Acts of the Holy Spirit. See what you can do when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and you listen to the Holy Spirit that's already in you. I answered them, leaders of the people and elders, if we are to be examined today about a good deed done to a cripple, namely by what means he was saved, then all of you and all the people of Israel should know that it was in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, who God raised from the dead. In his name, this man stands before you healed. Verse 11, he is the stone rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Underline the stone rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. If you think you've heard this before, you have. Because uh, that verse is in Psalm 118, verse 22. Write that in your margins. And also in Luke chapter 20, verse 17, I think it is where Jesus says that about himself, uh, that, you know, he is the, the uh, you know, the stone that is rejected by the cornerstone, okay? So um, we've got that going on. And uh, so, the, uh, verse 12, there is no salvation through anyone else, nor is there any other name under heaven given to the human race by which we are going to be saved. Now, if that sounds familiar, uh, we saw Jesus say that himself in John chapter 14, verse 6, just a few sessions ago. In fact, it was session 61. And I talked about that a bit in session 61, what does this mean regarding people who don't believe in Jesus, etc.? Et so um, that's quite a statement, but uh, go back and re-listen to session 61 uh, for the idea of people who don't believe in Jesus. But my Protestant friends would also give me a hard time when I first came back to the Catholic Church saying, well, see, there's no salvation through anyone else, and that includes your beloved Mary. Well, we've already talked a bit how Mary herself doesn't save anyone. She just points people towards Jesus, right? From the her the Jesus' first miracle in the Gospel of John, where Mary says, do whatever he tells you, okay? And for a more precise definition of Mary's role in uh, our salvation. Uh, please turn to Catechism of the Catholic Church and refer to page 
paragraphs 969 and 970. So I want to be clear, Mary saves no one. However, uh, Mary does point people to Christ. Mary does intercede for Christ. Mary gives us a wonderful example of setting aside her own agenda for the agenda of Christ. And it is for that reason that uh, she is uh, our mother as well. Um, and it is for that reason she's the a mother of the church and is to be uh, to be loved. Okay, and for those Protestants who would say, well, you know, loving Mary or all this devotion to Mary is taking away from Jesus, I would ask that person, hey, uh, when somebody comes up to you and compliments you on your mother, are you insulted? Do you say, well, wait, wait a minute. Why do you say all these things about my mother being wonderful? Uh, why don't you just say nice things about me? Okay. Or said another way, uh, if you could choose your own mother, as Christ did, because, you know, he was incarnate. Uh, I mean, he was in heaven before he was incarnate. If you could choose your own mother, wouldn't you want her to be without sin? Wouldn't you want her to be the most perfect example uh, that that you could have? Of course you would, right? And unfortunately, you couldn't choose your earthly mother, but you can choose to follow Mary. Okay, enough about Mary. I just want to clear that up because some Protestants have an uh, they they have a misunderstanding about uh, how we Catholics are supposed to think about Mary. But I want to be clear, it is true that, uh, just as we explained in session 61, um, that uh, there is no salvation through anyone else other than Jesus. Okay? Hope we put that to bed. Now, um, so they uh, they let the guys go and then they called them back and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Okay, here we are 2,000 years later and uh, there are many governments in the world and in the United States, we I'm, I'm sorry to say, we're moving closer to that. Um, verse 18 still applies today in large parts of the world. So they so, you know, the authorities called them back and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Verse 19, Peter and John, however, said to them in reply, whether it is right in the sight of God for us to obey you rather than God, you be the judges. Verse 20, it's impossible for us not to speak about what we have seen and heard. So they say, hey, you do what you got to do. We're going to do what we got to do. We're here to proclaim Jesus and, uh, you know, too, so too bad. Um, so the authorities threatened them further in verse 21, but then they released them, finding no way to punish them on account of the people who were all praising God for what had happened. So it would have been a politically uh, bad thing for the Sadducees to um, to continue to imprison Jesus. So then Peter goes back to the community, and uh, they they are rejoicing with one accord, 
And they, uh, you know, they sang a song, which starts at the uh, in verse 25. Why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples entertain folly? The kings of the earth took their stand and the princes gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Uh, that's from Psalm chapter uh, Psalm 2, verse 1 and 2, if you want to write that in your margins next to verse 25. So they're singing a song of praise. And uh, it says, Indeed, they gathered in the city against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, Herod and Pontius Pilate, together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do what your hand and your will had long ago planned to take place. Whoa! So are they saying here, hey, this is all part of God's plan for Herod uh, to arrest Jesus? Well, yeah. Um, in other words, Jesus or God foreknows what will happen. There's always a tension, isn't there, between God's sovereignty and man's free will. If man's free will chooses him to reject Christ, God can even use that rejection for the furtherance of the kingdom of Christ, as he did with Pilate. So Pilate was not predestined to sin in the sense of the, the Calvinists, where, you know, he didn't have a mind of his own. But rather, once he used that mind of his own to decide that, uh, you know, he was going to have uh, Christ condemned, um, God used that for the furtherance of his kingdom. Okay, and so I just want to be clear on that. Jesus even uses non-believers to accomplish his ultimate purpose, as he does uh, Herod, and as he does these priests and all that sort of thing. Okay. And so everybody is uh, excited about this. And um, so I think we have, uh, we're about out of time. And we do see uh, one guy who um, joins the church. Oh, by the way, for uh, starting in about uh, verse 31, 32, we kind of see a repeat of Acts chapter 2, verse 44 through 47. So I'm not going to read that to you, but it's where everybody's sharing everything. And in verse 36, we see that one of those is a guy named Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement. Wouldn't you like to have a nickname, son of encouragement? Well, you can as you encourage others to follow Christ. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dear Lloyd, please make us uh, sons of encouragement. Help us to encourage others. Help us to not be afraid of what will happen to us if we share the gospel of Christ. I know most of us are not going to be imprisoned for our beliefs, at least not in the United States, at least not yet. But we do risk, if you will, the idea of ostracization, being ostracized by our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, etc., but uh, fill us with the Holy Spirit, as you did with Peter and John here, so that we will be able to proclaim your word with confidence and with excitement. We ask this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Okay, come back with us next time and we will read about Ananias and Sapphira and perhaps the strangest thing that we're going to read about in the New Testament. So uh, we'll see you next time on Catholic Doctrine Bible Study.